Welcome to episode 71 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer, Johnny Pham. We're a week late, but hey, we're here. 2022 ranks uh, our first edition. Dalton and I went through, and we'll, we'll call this a, a first draft, so let's keep that in mind as we as we go through. But we're going to discuss a few differences here and there we may have, and also just maybe some key guys that that kind of stick out in, in our rankings. But first, Dalton, new haircut, new you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. We are 99 days away from the start of the NFL season, and we are less than a month away from gambling being legalized in the state of Kansas. So I am fully prepared to be homeless by the time the NFL season begins. <laughs> yeah. Is it official? It's 30 days? Yes. Just rumors? That the, the bill will be signed. Mm. Well, it's already signed, so your facts are already wrong. I actually it has don't. Not been signed. No, I don't. I, I think like it was just said it was going to be signed, and then now mm. they, it's still it, it's like on her desk with with other stuff. I, I, as long as we get betting uh, by or close to the beginning of football season, that's good on me. Probably not good on Dalton. Uh, you know, Streamyard still works like on your phone, so as long as you have cell service where, wherever you're living, uh, we should still at least be good for the pod, though. Yeah, we'll see if I get cell service under the bridge nearby. <laughs> Johnny, you've, uh, I think, been in like eight different states since the last time we had a podcast. How are you? I'm tired. I'm done traveling for a while. I uh, just came back from San Fran and New York City and Kansas City. But yeah, that's uh, that's enough traveling for the year. Uh, might go to Indianapolis, I think, to the Final Four next year because KU's going to run it back. <laughs> We'll see about that one, but well, it might be in Houston, but yeah. Well, regardless of where it's at. All right, we can start Dalton at the quarterback position. Uh, we'll go quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end in that order. Uh, it's only right we we start with Jalen Hurts uh, to lead off this show. We weren't as different as I thought we were going to be here. Um, I have him at QB nine, which actually, before we start, I should say. Um, it may not be when you're listening to this podcast. It definitely will not be if you're watching this YouTube video live today or like early tomorrow. But sometime soon, I think we'll just put like the spreadsheet of these ranks on our Substack. You'll get that email, so you guys can go back and reference uh, reference those, so we don't have to read all the way all all the way through all of them. But Jalen Hurts, QB nine for me, uh, QB six for you, Dalton. Do you want to defend your guy, or do you want me to? I'm not gonna say trash. He's QB nine. I think like there's nine guys who I could see being QB one, and he's the last one. Uh, but I'm still a few spots lower. So which way do you want to start this? Well, that's very nice of you to say that he could be QB one. That's an improvement. We're we're working through it. But um, like where other people maybe give it like a forty percent chance, I'm giving it like a five percent chance. Well, I'm going to be pretty bullish on the Eagles as a whole this year. Uh, they start out with one of the easiest NFL schedules. And I think that the important thing about all of that is with such an easy schedule to start, the Eagles are going to come out passing strong like they did last year. And that's when Jalen Hurts really saw a huge increase in his fantasy value was when they were passing it. The addition of A.J. Brown really makes me think that this team is going to move forward and be aggressive in passing. And that's where so much more of his value comes from. And I mean, he was he was QB nine last year, and he missed two games, and then a third game he only played seventy percent of the snaps because he got hurt. 
So, I, I mean, I, we look like we've seen his floor this year, at least in my opinion. Is his value really like? Is his value really maximized when he's passing the ball? I think that that's the big question for me: is can he actually pass the ball well enough to be like a top five or six quarterback? Because if if he had like proven to be, let's say like a, an average to like decent, not decent, average to like good or pretty good passer in the NFL, I, I think I'd feel pretty good saying, yeah, this is like a top top six guy. But he just. He hasn't proven that yet, but but you're you're sold that he's going to be effective passing the ball this year is, is what you're saying. Uh, no, I'm not sold he's going to be an effective passer. I'm sold that the more they pass, the more fantasy points he will get. Uh, last year at the start of the season, he saw some of his biggest points games. I mean, Kansas City, he had 28. Tampa Bay, he had 25. The first game of the season, Atlanta, he had 28. At all those games, he saw over 30% of the stat or 30, 30 pass attempts. When they go to that run-heavy style, uh, he's not always rushed, the one rushing the ball, and it really caps his ability to be a, a really, truly QB1 at the fantasy position. Mm-hmm. So if they come out passing and very aggressively passing like I think they want to do, then I think he is way more certified to be a top quarterback. Um, so just real quick on, on the injury thing, you said, what, he missed two games, and then there was a third where he played like two-thirds of the game. Is that right? Yeah, Detroit, he played – uh, 78% of the snaps, and then he missed a game to an ankle injury, and then he sat out the last game of the year because they already were in the playoffs. He is he, – he's a guy that I I think that I'm more worried about injury than, like, the average NFL quarterback because of how much he runs. He He's a thick guy, but he's not – he's not like Josh Allen, you know? Like, he's not like a physical specimen, like 6'5", 240 pounds. Like, he's – 5'11", uh, a very solid, like, whatever. He probably is listed at, like, like 210, like 220. But you got your boy Murray right over him. And if we're talking about a quarterback who likes to get injured, yeah. Tyler's great at that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's fair. And I I have Murray lower than you, so I, I'm not a huge Murray actually. guy. That is also true. Um, but but here's, here's my thing with Hurts. It's funny. This is probably the one guy I actually did, like, real research on um, as I was doing these ranks. 10 rushing touchdowns for him last season, zero for Miles Sanders. I, I think it's, like, pretty pretty obvious we're going to see some sort of give there. Number one for Sanders. And number two, we're probably not seeing 10 from Jalen Hurts again. Like, it, it's possible, but Josh Allen's never had 10 rushing touchdowns in a season. Like, that's a very high total for even a elite quarterback runner. And he had 784 rushing yards last year, too. And, like, Josh Allen has had years in the 400s and 500s. So if that rushing goes to, like, a very good but not elite, like, 506 rushing touchdowns, I think that's a concern. If, if that were to happen, which is at least in, in the range of outcomes uh, for him, I'd say. And then there's the passing. All of these stats, and, and I have a lot of them, are from player profile. So the Eagles, you mentioned that if they do come out and pass, that's a big advantage for him. And that's how he's going to score more points. They ranked 19th in game script last season, but they were behind with a, with a negative .43. So basically what that means is they were playing from behind more often than ahead, that they were just below middle of the pack, and yet they were still 29th in passing plays per game in the NFL. So that, to me, reads as a team that doesn't fully trust the guy as a thrower just yet. And then if you're looking at his throwing stats, he does not put the ball in harm's way very often, just looking at the interception totals and looking at some of the um, some of the other stats I'll get to here. 
but he's 26th in accuracy rating, 31st in true completion percentage, which that eliminates under pressure throwaways and drops from that number. 25th in pressure completion percentage and 23rd in clean pocket completion percentage. 29th in true passer rating and 19th in QBR. He's also 30th in catchable pass rate. Like, A.J. Brown is definitely going to help um, him just as, like, a purely yards after the catch guy. And also just A.J. Brown's awesome. Like, he's going to be able to go win balls down downfield, no, no doubt about it. But also, like, his receivers, like, his passes, he was 7th in receiver target separation. His receivers had about 2 yards of separation per target, which, again, top 10 in the NFL, which that surprised me, quite frankly. When, when I saw that stat. So I, I think you can glean a few things from that. Number one, Guard and, and Smith are actually like pretty good. Had Both had pretty good seasons last year. And then number two, like I said before, he doesn't take too many chances with the ball because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to. The, the, when the guys are wide open, that's where he's going. And when they're not, he's probably tucking and running. He's probably scrambling, maybe throwing away or, or trying to make plays elsewhere. I think he's got the upside to be the QB1. But he's going to have to take like a Josh Allen-esque leap as a passer. And that's just a really tough thing to predict. And it's also really tough for me to rank him ahead of the guys who have done it more often in their careers than than him to this point. Yeah, well, I mean, to start at the get-go of it, he obviously takes leaps forward as a passer. But also last year was essentially his rookie season after not playing much his first year. Um, so I'm willing to give him a pass on some of the accuracy issues. Secondly, I mean, the Eagles' entire philosophy as an organization changed after the fifth game of the year, where I think they were two and three, and they were very much struggling. And it was an uphill climb for them. And that philosophy changed into a very run-heavy team. They finished 32nd in the NFL in pass attempts. Um, and I can definitely see his rushing totals coming down. But at the same time, you, you also have him only throwing for 18 touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. And with a guy like A.J. Brown in the red zone, I think that drastically changes it. His receiver has definitely got separation, but I also think Devonta Smith is not a receiver that fits the skill set that Hurts needs, which is he Hurts is not a deep passer. That's not his skill. It's not what he's great but, at. But Devonta Smith can get open, like, anywhere on the field, though. That's the, his whole thing. I, I, as a Hurts doubter and you as a Hurts lover, would phrase that differently. I would phrase it as Hurts doesn't fit the skill set that Devonta Smith needs, which is a guy that's actually willing to throw it over the middle, throw it the traffic some, because he's not going to be a guy who's doing a ton of, of, of deep stuff that's like wide, wide open where he's just taking shots. He's not, Absolutely. But he's I mean, last Waddle. year, Smith got a ton. He was just the X receiver a ton mm-hmm. of the time. And definitely by a mile was the best receiver on the Eagles. I think A.J. Brown is going to just drastically improve their ability to pass, give them a lot better contested catch situations. And we saw it with Tannehill. I mean, A.J. Brown can take a five-yard slant route to the house uh, just any time he catches the ball. And I think there's just some positive variation. Even if you decrease the rushing totals for Hertz, you're still getting a lot of positive correlation in the passing game, which I think they're definitely going to emphasize at the start of this year those are a lot big words you just threw at me i think we have to bow down uh at, at the end at the end of this argument joe burrow um this is not a guy we disagree on dalton this is actually a guy that we are you know qb 11 for me qb 9 for you so fairly close i would venture the guess i, I didn't look at adp like maybe you did but i venture the guess that we're on the lower end of of joe burrow ranks um i just thought maybe we could take a second and explain why 
we both have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase as like top ten to twelve guys, but Burrow isn't like a surefire top eight quarterback for us. Well, I mean to start, Joe Burrow's ADP and underdog is QB seven, right under Jalen Hurts, who is QB uh, six. And my big issue with Burrow is, and I think anybody who's listened to this podcast for any period of time knows this. I'm not a big believer that he is like this elite ceiling quarterback. The other pocket passers you and me have ranked highly in the top 12 are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Uh, and Joe Burrow and, and is, Matt Stafford is in both of our top 12. Yes, and, and, and for me, after the Rodgers Brady, it was like, okay, who do I want? Stafford or Burrow? And I think I, I'd have to go back and double check, but I think I gave the, the edge to Stafford. I put him at 10. Yeah. And it's just Joe Burrow isn't going to rush the ball. He's not going to move the ball, which is kind of a fancy cheat code. And if you look at his game log, he really inflated his stats in those last couple of games of the year, one being the Kansas City game where he went absolutely berserk and he played really well, and the other being the Baltimore game where (laughs) Baltimore didn't have a secondary. Mm -hmm. And I just – I think Joe Burrow is a good quarterback and he has the weapons to do it, but you're not going to get the same consistent floor that you get with rushing quarterbacks with Joe Burrow. And I just don't think he's like a league winner like the Josh Allens or the Patrick Mahomes can be. Mm -hmm. I I agree. Um, If you look at his finish last year, so he's QB5. In, in 17 games he plays 16 of them they didn't play he didn't play the last week of of the season so he plays 16 games which is the entire weeks one through 17 of a fantasy scoring line I'm looking at but that's in front of guys like Kyler Murray who was injured Jalen Hurts who missed multiple games Lamar Jackson who missed a handful of games Russell Wilson who had a disaster of a second half of the season and missed um, multiple weeks and Aaron Rodgers who was behind them by like two points because he didn't want to get a COVID shot and and got COVID and so couldn't play for like a whole like 10 days. Um, he also played, like I said, all 16 games. And I talk about Jalen Hurts as an injury risk. We've seen Burrow making headlines for, for his comments about, oh yeah, like I actually like, I don't mind taking those sacks at all. It's uh, if you look at it, like it's good for EPA, yada, yada. That, like, that could be true. I'm not going to get in like the nerdy analytics side of that debate. Uh, but just like from a, a pure, like staying healthy perspective, I don't like that. I would be surprised if Burrow played, like, I'm not, I'm not going to predict him to play every game that he wants to play essentially this year, like last year. So I, I think I'm factoring that downside in as well. And then just like concerning Higgins and chase, I just think it's likely we see the passing game consolidate even more around those two than we did last year. We even saw that in the second half of the season once Higgins came back and was like fully back from his ankle injury. I think he was like wide receiver seven and, and Chase was like wide receiver six for the last yeah. six weeks of the season. And, and I think I'd give more of an edge to Chase. I had Chase higher higher than that and Higgins lower than that. But I think like that similar break breakout is what we're going to see between those two. Yeah, I agree. I just, I you know, and... To end this, I don't like the play calling by the Bengals head coach and staff. I don't think – I mean, I tweeted about it, and so did you. Zach Taylor, his play calling really irks me, and I do think that kind of holds Joe Burrow's ceiling back. A lot of those third and two runs, uh, first and ten runs, that set you backwards as an offense. Yep, I agree. All right, on to running backs. And the first one is Javante Williams. So he is my RB8. Dalton, he is your RB14, which – you know, six spots difference when we're doing top 36s. 
Like that doesn't seem huge on paper, but this high up, I feel like that actually is a pretty big difference. That's basically, I'm saying he's probably a guy you take at the turn. You're saying he's probably a guy you take mid to late second round, I would imagine. Um, I'll go first. I'll, I'll give my positive side for Javante here. I think I'd be more concerned for him if they let Melvin Gordon go and then brought in somebody new, like, of that stature. I'm not sure if there's, like, anybody available that or they could have gotten or, like, even would have made sense of that stature. But, like, you get what I mean? Like, if they would have let Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon go and, like, Chase Edmonds comes to town or, like, I don't know, like, a guy of Melvin Gordon's stature. But to me, they, they bring Gordon back. It kind of feels like a... He knows the system. Let's run run it back. Let's kind of keep status quo. But we see this a lot in the NFL where, okay, we start to phase out the veteran a little bit more and, and bring the new guy along a little bit more, which not all the time, but like Javante Williams, I think he proved, is awesome last year. And Melvin yeah. Gordon had a great year last year too. But Javante is like very clearly the long-term guy in, in Denver. So I, I just think this year we're going to see a bigger gap between the two, which last year there was literally no gap. I looked at the snaps. It was 49.9% was what Javante Williams played last year. So, like, legitimately a a true 50-50 last year. And then you just look at some of the box score stuff for Javante. He played all 17 games, which you can make the argument, hey, like, that's probably not happening again, which I, I would agree. Like, I'm not going to predict a running back play all 17 games. But he only had seven total touchdowns. Part of that is Melvin Gordon's there. Part of that is the offense was absolutely dog water last year. Should be much improved with Russell Wilson at quarterback uh, this year. And even still, he was the RB16 last year. I just think with a better offense and a, let's say it gets closer to 60-40 or like 65-35. Like I still think Melvin Gordon's like a flex like guy like top 36 guy i think i have him like 33 34 somewhere in that range i think we both have him in that range yeah i i just think that there's just a little more oomph to to the ceiling of javante's value and you know i mentioned melvin or javante played every game melvin gordon played 16 games last year the one game he missed javante was awesome even if javante plays 15 games the odds of there only being one game that he plays without Melvin Gordon and probably vice versa, the odds of Melvin Gordon playing no games without Javante, like pretty low. So I think maybe some of the worst injury luck could be offset by these guys are probably going to have a week or two to be solo acts that they didn't have last year. Yeah. Well, and if we remember in my way too early rankings, I had Javante top 12 before Mm -hmm. the Melvin Gordon signing. And by all means, Javante Williams is, arguably like a top five NFL talent at running back. He posted an elite separation last year. He was elite at forcing missed tackles. Great player. Um, really, there, there are two reasons why I dropped him in my rankings. First, this is just kind of like a game theory way. Like I approach fantasy football. If you take him at the turn, he's probably your RB1. And more likely than not, they're going to be weeks that frustrate you because Melvin Gordon comes into the goal line and gets the touchdown and Javante Williams doesn't have a great week. And with some of the guys I ranked ahead of him, I don't think that's the case. And secondly, I'm worried that he's going to be the guy getting the receptions. Last year in targets per route run, Javante Williams posted a 1.2, which is good, but Melvin Gordon was a 1.5. Like for all encompassing purposes, Melvin Gordon was really, really good last year, despite the fact that he's almost 30. And I don't want Javante Williams to not get the passing down work if I'm taking him that early. 
and when you kind of combine it all together, I would just prefer at the turn to advise people to take somebody who they're, they're going to be a lot more trustworthy week to week. And I think end of season, maybe Williams does come out, you know, top 10, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that his consistency as a player doesn't reflect the the end game where he might have you a 30 point week. And then you're going to have two, you know, eight point weeks just because he gets vultured twice. My, I, I definitely like don't disagree with that. What I would say in response though is like how many run like are we at like five running backs and five wide receivers who we can say like are going to be consistent like RB one or wide receiver one guys like throughout this like I think he's just part of that pack of like twelve guys who can be top twelve a lot of weeks and then also really frustrate you a lot like I I think he's just I think there's a lot of guys. They're like that. So at the end of the day, it's kind of pick your favorites, and that's why he ends up at 14 for you, 8 for me. I am curious. I'll go a little bit out of order here. I'm curious and, frankly, shocked. You have J.K. Dobbins one spot ahead of Javante Williams at RB13. I'm the low man, RB16, uh, on J.K. Dobbins here. I don't have much to say on the guy, but we did get the report today that he's off to the side, you know, not, not doing anything yet, which isn't surprising. Like, I'm not reading anything into that, but his recovery will be – will be one to watch, and he has some upward mobility or downward for me, depending on how things go on that end. But just for you, J.K. Dobbins versus Javante Williams, like what's what's the separator there? It's only one spot. but Yeah, how the turntables on this one. Um, <laughs> but I, the more, at first I was scared of J.K. Dobbins. I thought that he was going to be a guy who wasn't going to come back from his injury well. I think he is, and the Ravens are recommitting to their original identity, which I think is a run-first offense. You look at their passing core, and it's Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, and then James Proch and Devin DuVernay. It falls off really quickly. Uh, they invest highly in the best center in the draft, one of the best run-blocking grades uh, out of Taylor Lindenbaum. And so I'm very excited. I think even with a split workforce, these two can do very well between Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. But uh, especially when putting him above Javante Williams, I just think they're going to run the ball way more. There's going to be an offense that runs often, runs frequently, and they're going to establish that that identity the Ravens have had the last five years, probably in the league in the number one rush tipped offense again. Uh, and just last but not least, I was concerned that Dobbins might be hurt, but him and Edwards injured at the same time. And so far through OTAs, Gus Edwards hasn't practiced. I think he might be the one lagging behind an injury. And if J.K. Dobbins ever gets an 80% workload in this offense, I mean, he's to the moon. Like he, he, that's close to RB one status, and so oh, he, he, he would be, he would be if if he's healthy and getting that work. I just think yeah. those are both both very big questions uh, for for Dobbins at this point. Yeah, but uh, I just I, I like him more. I think even if Javante Williams was the RB one in Denver, it's harder for him to hit that ceiling than it is for JK. Mm-hmm. Okay, two more really interesting running back debates here, and then we have to kind of kind of gross. Uh, ones to close out before we get to receiver. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I think this is probably our biggest difference. I'm, I'm looking down the list. This may be our biggest difference for as far as like the higher rank guys. I have him as RB18. Dalton has him at RB30. So Dalton, you're telling us that Antonio Gibson is an RB3. Explain yourself. I just, I don't see a world where things get better for Antonio Gibson. Last year, the reason he posted a top 20 finish was because he had a very high touchdown rate. We now have Brad Robinson, who, if anything, he's an early down plotter and a touchdown uh, stealer. And then Antonio Gibson doesn't get the passing down work because J.D. McKissick comes home. 
And I don't know. Maybe Carson Wentz is an upgrade for this offense, but I don't really think it matters. I think this I, offense... I, I I think it is. Like I, I like Wentz was at least like functional for the Colts last year. Now they clearly wanted to get him out of town for whatever reason, whatever was going on in their locker room with Wentz and and whoever. But just like from a pure football perspective, he's better than what they had last year because what they had last year like almost got Terry McLaurin killed on like like four times a week. Yeah. Uh, but this is just a flag plant. The guys I have in front of them, I think all of them, um, are either in better offenses or in committees where I trust them more. And I just don't want Antonio Gibson this So you year. trust Chase Edmonds and the Miami Dolphins' backfield more than Antonio Gibson? I do. Yeah, I, I will oh, flag Oh, that's that insane one. to me. That's insane yeah. to me. I, I, I also think Antonio Gibson isn't what we thought he was coming into the NFL. He so far in his career, he hasn't posted any elite marks like other guys do in bad offenses. I don't. I guess I don't know what we thought he was like. He's been good. Like he's been solid. Like maybe he's been disappointing for the people who thought he was like going to be a a top eight running back. But I don't think I was ever like quite there with Gibson. Like his rookie year, like went from he was what like undrafted in, in fantasy leagues, like late round pick to immediate like starter. Pretty much. And then last year, it was like, this is going to be a nice RB, too. Was the ride always smooth? No. Kind of like what we talked about, what it could be with Javante. But, like, at the end of the day, he got you there. He got you there as a top 20 guy. I agree with with your concerns, for sure. We've talked about this. Um, but I think this is a situation where your hate has gone a little too far. I've got him at RB18. I, myself, just did, like, a really quick ranking exercise before the NFL draft. And I think that was before... McKissick reversed course and came back to Buffalo when I did these ranks. I had Gibson at RB11, um, so I moved him down a solid seven a seven spots from there. I just think where you have him is, like, his floor to me. Like I think, like, RB30 is, like, everything goes wrong besides, like, as long as he plays, like, a, a reasonable amount of games. I think that everything goes wrong. Okay, like... This guy should be getting volume in the passing game like he should have been for the last two years. It still isn't happening. Why isn't it happening? Okay, Brian Robinson is stealing touchdowns from him now. Like, this is this is just hell on earth having Antonio Gibson. Like, I think I think that scenario, like, it's possible. But I think that is the lowest possible outcome for him is RB30. I still think this is one of the 15 most talented running backs in the NFL. The workload probably isn't going to be what the biggest Antonio Gibson truthers had ever hoped for. But I just feel like this is a floor rank and I'm, I kind of shot for, for the middle with Antonio Gibson. And it just, frankly, like after like looking at my list after like RB, we'll say RB 21, it gets real uncertain because I've got David Montgomery at 20 who like definite track record of not loving David Montgomery. But like, I think you can count on him to be, a solid like RB two on your team. And you have Josh Jacobs, who like I feel pretty good about, but there are still questions. But then after that, Travis Etienne, who I mean, talk about camp hype through the roof. Like that, that that's all we're seeing right now is the, how great this guy is going to be. Brees Hall is a rookie. Elijah Mitchell, with God only knows, with the Niners backfield. Miles Sanders, like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, AJ Dillon. Like there's a lot of question marks once you get past that spot in my rankings. So that's just kind of. Kind of the last guy I feel good about, frankly. Like, really good about. Yeah, I don't feel, obviously, I don't feel good about him at all. I mean, guys I have in front of him, Damian Harris, 
I think he's a better runner than Gibson, pure runner. Um, Elijah Mitchell, a better offense that's going to give him better weeks. Chase Edmonds, who I think we might talk about in a bit. Uh, Brees Hall, somebody I think that's committed. I, just when you draft a running back in the third round and you're Washington and you have so many holes, it's a clear commitment that you don't believe in the guy you have there and that the talent there, they just don't think he has it for mm-hmm. one reason or another. Um, and I think they're just going to – if I think his talent comes in the receiving game and they're just going to misutilize and continue to misutilize him. We shall see. All right, Aaron Jones, Dalton, he's your RB5, which, boy, oh, man, that is that is a high rank um, compared to what I've seen, I feel like. I'm RB10, which I think feels more in lockstep with consensus, but I, I haven't looked as closely probably as you have. Um, I'll let you give the pro, pro Aaron Jones as a top five running back spiel first. Yeah, Aaron Jones is an ADP of nine right now, mm-hmm. so definitely not as high as I'm ranking him. Uh, I feel similar to this situation about how I felt about Austin Eckler last year. This is going to be Aaron Rodgers' number one red zone target in an offense that despite the lack of weapons in the receiving game, I think they're still going to be able to move the ball because they have a Pro Bowl or a two-time MVP at quarterback and their offensive line gets better. Uh, I think there's it's not crazy to come out and say that Aaron Jones could possibly lead this team in targets this year, and that's a very valuable asset. This is definitely a ceiling ranking, but the reason for that is that his range of outcomes includes that ceiling with a very, very good floor where he's consistently targeted by Aaron Rodgers. He gets 10 to 11 rushes a game, and he's in an offense that moves the ball up and down the field that gives you that touchdown equity you're looking for. I had a real hard time figuring out what to do with Aaron Jones, but real quick, I I do want to note, I am realizing that since I forgot Alvin Kamara in, in like, some there's a copy paste there at some point yesterday. So everyone I've listed in the top uh, eleven, yeah, I have or top fifteen. I have to adjust their rank up. So J.K. Dobbins actually is seventeen, not sixteen. Aaron Jones eleven, not ten. Antonio Gibson is still eighteen, I believe. Let me check. Yeah, Gibson's still eighteen, and then uh, Javante Williams is actually RB nine, not eight. So just wanted to get that in there, but. I think if Devontae Adams had come back, he would have been like even like five spots lower for me. So I am giving him a little bit of a post Devontae Adams bump. I just don't think I don't buy that he's going to lead the team in in targets and or receptions this year because I think I don't think we're ever going to see massive Aaron Jones volume because I think the Packers have shown a commitment throughout his entire career to have there always be a second guy. Or in the case of like targets, I believe they're probably going to show commitment to just not overworking him because they've never overworked him in his career. And it's kept him relatively healthy so far. Like I, I think what they're doing is probably the wise thing. So I I just don't totally buy this is impossible to like know either way, but I just don't totally buy that like, oh He's going to lead the team in targets. Like, is he the most talented receiver that they have? Like, I think you could make that make that argument. But I'm just not sure they're going to exert him that much. And then I had such a tough time with A.J. Dillon. So he's my RB25. And I think I said when we did our first round of ranks and I had Aaron Jones right outside my top 12 overall. Um, and this was right before Devontae Adams left or right after. I can't even remember. But... I said at the time that I'm I'm having a real hard time with AJ Dillon and I could easily see the gap between those two being 
way smaller than it has been ever before. And I think it is with at 25 and 10 being the splits, but like I could easily like with more research and just more thought talk myself into a slightly lower Aaron Jones and slightly higher AJ Dillon. Like I think Dillon might be kind of a a sleeper in the in the mid 20s this year. And so that's a concern for Jones for me as well. Yeah. My I have AJ Dillon ranked the same as you right now, twenty seven, and I think he's going to have a good season. Obviously, right outside the top twenty four for running backs. Um, it's really a, both of our wide receiver rankings. We don't have a Packers wide receiver in them. We don't have Robert Tunyon in our top twelve tight ends mm-hmm. either. Uh, I think this team's going to need to run the ball. And Aaron Jones is coming in the third year of his contract. I think this might be a year they look at him and they say, you have to be the guy. Um, But more importantly, I do really think Aaron Rodgers values familiarity over a lot of things when it comes to how he plays football. It took him three years to make Devontae Adams look like a superstar. And, you know, he brought back Randall Cobb, despite that he was washed. He wanted James Jones back when he brought him back. Him and Jordy Nelson had a connection. I just think he values familiarity over everything else. And, between Watson, Dubs, and um, Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard, I just don't know if any of those guys can compete with Aaron Jones. So I'm just betting on skill here, saying that the best player is going to rise to the top and that if this team wants to win, they might have to use it more than they would like to or they have in the past. It's possible. Um, We're also doing this on June 1st, right? So like maybe Odell Beckham, uh, maybe there's another veteran that's added uh, to that team. But it's Green Bay, so... (laughs) <laughs> Will Fuller, also possible. But it's Green Bay, so I'm not necessarily counting on it. But it's at least a distinct possibility, and that would probably change how we think about the offense a little bit if they added somebody else we could trust as a receiver. Okay, Chase Edmonds and Devin Singletary. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on either of these two guys, but I have Edmonds as RB31, Dalton RB25. Really, all I feel like my logic here is with Edmonds is I don't trust any Dolphins running back, so I don't want the most expensive Dolphins running back. If I'm going to have a Dolphins running back, he's going to be a cheaper um, running back. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not investing in Chase Edmonds, who, yeah, like, does he have the upside to be a top 24 running back? Yeah, probably. But, like, so does Mostert, so does Sonny Michelle if things break right, and you just have to spend way more on, on Edmonds. And I think the downside for him is even lower than some of these other guys in in that same range. Like uh, Cordero Patterson's in that range. Kareem Hunt, A.J. Dillon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, all of those guys are same ballpark for, for both of us, and I feel better about them than, than Edmonds. Yeah, and I'm over consensus on him right now. He's RB35, so actually you're over consensus on him as well. Um, that, it is funny. I, I might have to lower him just because you said that because I've never like I've never really bought Edmonds, never really like liked him very much as a. Yeah, a, 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 he's been like fine. He, he's he's the definition of a jag. Well, I feel like putting James Cook above him, who's one spot, is a little egregious. This is a follow the money play. I mean, the Dolphins definitely paid the guy. You know I hate follow the money plays. I know you do. I hate follow the money plays. when it comes down to it, they paid him to be there. Somebody's going to get the majority of rush attempts. It is a new coaching staff, too. It's not the same staff that did this really annoying running back by committee approach where they had guys literally splitting like 30% all the way down the yes, line. Yes, but where 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 is this coach uh, from? That He's a Shanahan coaches? disciple. Ah, interesting. Um, but that also means that there are going to be weeks that you wish you owned the guy. Uh, I, I did not realize until just now that I had him this far above consensus. Uh, but again, I mean, this offense has to be better. The offensive line is definitely going to be better. 
And I do think that somebody in this team is going to be worth it. It's funny that you're taking my approach of taking the cheapest guy while I yeah. go with the approach. I think I, I'm going to stay above consensus on Edmonds because uh, I think a top 24 season is pretty, pretty easy for him. And out of I, I disagree. I really don't. I really don't think so. There's there they have three guys and none of like if Raheem Moster is a top 24 running back, would that floor you? No. If Sony Michelle's a top 24 running back, would that floor you? No, it, it would not. If 30 year old Raheem Moster plays a full season, I would be very forward. Yes, but let let let's let's give him 12 games. Let let's just give all of these guys like an average bill of health because that's all we can assume right now like i i could see any of those guys being top 24 running backs if it all hits and that's why none of those guys are incredibly valuable because it's hard to separate them too much yeah just out of all of them Edmonds is the only one that i think plays a receiving role at the same time although lynn bowden was back on twitter today catching balls (laughs) yeah i'm not buying that i i (laughs) i I agree with you but it's like he's the most valuable of those three right now but do i want to pay for him when I could just take a stab at one of those other two guys later. No, not, not really. I, I'm not really. I'm not going to have Chase Edmonds on, on any team probably this year. That's fair. I just feel like 110 is still really cheap for him at ADP. Devin Singletary. I did not rank him in my top 36. Dalton has him at RB29. Uh, last year he was the RB25. That was basically by virtue of the guy played all 16 of the rankable games. He averaged 8.4 points per game. Zach Moss was pretty much off the team by week 11, was like a healthy scratch multiple times, was less than 30% of the snaps other times. And those were in games where like Buffalo is murdering the other team. Let's get Zach Moss in there with the backup quarterback. That wasn't him being a factor. So all of that contributes to a solid season by the numbers for Singletary. I, I just... I think James Cook is going to be a factor on that team, not to the tune of being a top 36 guy. At least I don't think so. No, I didn't rank him top 36. Not not that high, but he's going to hurt Singletary's value, uh, I think. And I'm just not, like until proven otherwise, I'm not going to believe that a Buffalo running back is going to be exceptionally valuable. It's going to take health and good luck behind him on the depth chart again this year, I think for Singletary to really pay off on your team. I, I, I hate to say this cause you know, I'd like the guy, but I think he's kind of one of those fantasy anchors guys that you just can't drop off of your team, but you don't enjoy having them on your team because he more often than not is six points unless there's a touchdown. Yeah. I'm surprised I'm above. I can't believe you're not putting him in the top 36. He still is a starting running back in a good offense. Um, first, I mean, I do really think the James Cook hype train has gotten out of control. The guy is a pass catcher. He he had like 100 career rush tips at Georgia. He's not a guy that's going to run the ball and not run effectively. And who else doesn't run the ball? The the Bills. So that also like kind of like it's just you're already just not much volume for Singletary, and I, and I didn't necessarily say, and I know you're not saying this, I don't necessarily see Cook, like, being the top rusher, but just his overall presence, like, he is going to take Singletary off the field more than he was off the field last year. I mean, that's really hard to do. I mean, until week, like, 14, he didn't play more than 40 or 50% of the snaps. It took a and then from weeks 14 to 18, Devin Singletary was RB5 in points per game. I mean, all of his fantasy value that led him to a good finish 
uh, came in those last couple weeks. He had 11, 16, 16, 23, and 24 to end the season uh, when he finally got a, a closer to full workload. I, I just think that you're going to be able to use him more effectively. I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Moss gets cut. And then that, there's a non-zero chance that Z- James Cook comes out and is an ineffective pass catcher. And if he can't pa- catch passes effectively, then Singletary is the last guy left in the room. Um, and so this is really just one of those guys I like to take a little bit of head. I like to bet on it. It's a running back and a good offense, and you can run with it from there. Well, I got news for you. This is why he had such a good close to his season. Carolina, New England, Atlanta, the Jets are his week uh, 15 through 18. The Bills smoked all of those teams so they could just say, yeah, single. We'll, we'll give you 23 carries for 110 yards against Atlanta. Sure, why not? I, I, that's just not, even if he's playing a majority of the snaps, that's just not who they are. And I, I, again, hate to say it, I like Singletary. I just don't don't see him as a top 36 guy. But we can move on to wide receivers here. And the first one, we will start with former Chief, current Dolphin, current 2 on leader, Tyreek Hill. Wide receiver 6 in my ranks, Dalton. Wide receiver 11 for you. I'll defend myself and then let you go at it go at it next. This is less about me planting some flag in Tyreek Hill and more about me feeling like after I get past five, it's real flat. It's real flat from about six to let me look at my actual ranks here from like six to 14 from Tyreek Hill to Michael Pittman. I have a very hard time separating those guys. And there's a lot of guys who like AJ Brown, he, he scares me on a new team. DJ Moore, like the Panthers are trash. DJ Moore can never touch, catch more than four touchdowns. Debo Samuel, like Debo Samuel might be one of the scariest players in fantasy football for me this year. So like, I think Tyree kills just kind of the best of that group that features some of those guys for me. And you mentioned it. I do think the offense is going to be better because it's hard not to be after last year. Tyreek is going to help that offense a lot. He's going to make life easier for Tua and for everybody else there. He's probably, just by sheer positive regression, even with a way worse quarterback, he's probably going to hit on more deep balls this year than last year. Partially, again, partially just positive regression. Partially because teams are probably going to be more apt to dare Tua to throw deep, take away the short stuff, take away the stuff where Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle can beat you after the catch, and okay, okay Tua, let, let's see if you can actually throw an accurate ball 50 yards down the sideline like you did in, in college. So we'll see there. Tyree Kill, it's just like looking back at last year, too, I, I found this interesting. He was negative 2.77 fantasy points per game, worse than expected last year. So he even like had some pretty bad luck himself, just fantasy-wise last year. Contested catch rate was way down from what you'd expect. He was like at 50% last year. He was way higher the year before. Um, I, I think maybe we see a little bit of a bounce back year um, for luck uh, for Tyreek Hill. And I, like I said, I just feel better about, like he's still one of the three best receivers in the NFL for me in my mind too. And I, that, that's kind of a tiebreaker for me with a lot of these other guys who all make me nervous for various reasons. Yeah. And I agree first, you know, after, I would say probably after CD for me, um, there's probably, it's pretty flat for a while at receiver. Uh, I mean, Hill at 11, the guys I have above him, I, I like, I actually, I think Debo's probably going to take a hit by rankings too, because I think Trey Lance is the guy there. 
But Mike Evans has Tom Brady, gets two, three, four games without Chris mm-hmm. Godwin. I am just an AJ Brown till I die stand. T. Higgins. We're both we're both higher on Brown. You're higher than me on Brown, but we're both higher than consensus on him, yeah. I think. And I'm very concerned about that. I'm not. I love it. Uh and you know, Hill finished wide receiver six last year. You talk about some of the metrics not being the best for him. He also had Patrick Mahomes. And yep. this ranking, part of it's factoring, like, what if Tua just, just actually does suck? Like, there, there, oh, he, there's he, a non-zero he de- chance. He definitely could. He absolutely yeah. could. And then we're, we're – I mean, Hill can will still have his Tyreek Hill game for he takes a ball 80 yards and a touchdown, absolutely. But this is just factoring in that bottom where I really – we we really just don't know. And Tua's one of the big question marks. And I think odds than not, he's probably an above-average to an average quarterback. But – out of everybody else I put above them, I trust their quarterbacking more than I do trust Tua. And so that's really what it came down to for me. Uh, the only guy who I have questions above Tyree Kill when it comes to quarterbacking is Debo Samuel and Trey Lance. But Debo is also – You have questions guy. about Jalen Hurts? No, I know what Jalen Hurts is. It's not great, but it's not good, you know. Uh, okay, yeah, I just – I have a one spot above CD, so we're, we're just very slightly different on – differ on cd lamb there but yeah i he, he's just kind of the leader uh, in in the pack of a of a scary group for me dk metcalf a guy that we actually both agree on and i don't know what consensus is on him i do know i saw the footballers rank him close to like wide receiver 30 consensus in their podcast the other day so just thought it was worth mentioning we're not as worried as it seems like some if not a lot of people are about Metcalf, I have him at 16. Dalton has him at 17. If Brandon Cooks can be a top 20 receiver on the Texans last year, why don't people think that DK Metcalf can be a top 20 receiver uh, on the Seahawks? Like, for as bad as Drew Locke is and as bad as that situation looks to be, I don't think it's as bad as the Texans was. Texans (laughs) one was last year. And we're already baking that into his rank. Like, if he had a good or even, like, average situation – He's just straight up a better player than CeeDee Lamb. He'd probably be like wide receiver five or six with a with a similar. Like if he was put him in Minnesota and take Justin Jefferson off of it. Like DK Metcalf is probably wide receiver five, wide receiver six. I just think he's good enough to overcome a lot of a bad situation. Just not quite good enough to put him in the top 10 like he would be normally. Yeah, well, and his ADP right now is 20. So he's wide receiver 20, so we're both above. We're both above um, by only a handful, so that's even higher than I thought it was going to be. But but people are putting DJ Moore, his ADP is wide receiver 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that when it comes to organizational competency, I might think the Seattle Seahawks are better off than the Panthers right now. And when it comes to talent, DK might be a better receiver than DJ Moore. They're at least pretty close in mm-hmm. talent level. And I don't understand the gap in that. I'm probably going to be banging the train. Same thing, uh, Tyler Lockett's at wide receiver 42. So this is the third straight year I will be screaming that he is a value. Uh, you'd be both agree that he's wide receiver 30 yep. in our rankings. Um, I mean, these guys are really good players. And whether it's uh, Drew Locke, God forbid, or Geno Smith, God forbid, or <laughs> Baker Mayfield, God forbid. Hey, Baker would be uh, an upgrade over both those guys. I got news for you. Um, these guys get open and it's consolidated passing offense, which is something you at least want and you can you know come back and rely on at the mm-hmm. end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cortland Sutton, this is probably our second biggest disagreement outside of Antonio Gibson. I have him at wide receiver 26. Dalton, you are a bullish wide receiver 15 on Cortland Sutton. Give me the Cortland Sutton breakout case. 
Um, my breakout case is Russell Wilson has his career high in pass attempts. Cortland Sutton is the alpha wide receiver in this offense. He is the guy who could win contested catches. I'm not one-to-one-ing him with DK like people are doing because they're not the same player. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, he, in the last three years on the Broncos, has had the deepest average depth of target. He is their deep threat. He's the guy that runs the X routes the most often. And Russell Wilson has a really pretty deep ball. So you combine all of those. I just find it really hard not to rank one of the Broncos receivers in the top 18 because it's Russell Wilson and he's never not produced a top 15 wide receiver. So this was part of me just giving it to Russell Wilson and saying, you're going to do it again because you'll probably have a career high in pass attempts, probably have a coach that lets you throw the ball more. And Cortland Sutton is my favorite out of all of those followed by probably Tim Patrick and Judy. I agree with you that Sutton is, he's my favorite too. He's the guy I have ranked the highest. Um, I think I have Judy like a handful of spots behind. And then Patrick, I don't have in the top 36, but I would. Maybe I don't have Judy in the top. Yeah, Judy I do. 34. 30, 34. So you're 32. I'm 34 on on Judy. Um, I do think if you – I've heard the same stat you have about, you know, Russell Wilson's always had top 15 receiver. And, like, it. De- Cortland Sutton is one of the more difficult guys to, to rank because it's really difficult. You know, you could definitely see a breakout – for Sutton where he really separates himself. It also wouldn't shock me. And this is, this is kind of how I have it ranked right now, where if all three of those guys are relatively close in value and they as a collective unit make up an elite passing attack, but none of them are truly elite fantasy football options. I just, I think I just lean more that way now because we've only ever seen one good season from Sutton. Basically. I know he's had bad quarterback play. I know he, Blew out his ACL really early um, in the season before this last year. And I think he's the most talented, but I just I want to see him produce before I put him up at 15 ahead of other guys who are just more proven than, than he is at this point. Like, last season, I know the quarterback play is bad. I know he's running the deep stuff, so he's even more affected than, like, a Tim Patrick who does less of that. But it's concerning to me that Cortland Sutton is 58 for 776 and two touchdowns last year. Tim Patrick is 53 for 734 and five touchdowns, and he even played one fewer game. It's concerning to me that they were basically the same guy last season. So that, I, and as far as the top 15 receiver thing goes, like that has a lot to do with Russell Wilson, but also like DK Metcalf is really good. Tyler Lockett is really good. Doug Baldwin, really good. Like, I'm just not quite sure Sutton is there yet. He could absolutely prove it to me this year. But I just, I'm erring on the side of guys I've seen do it. Like a Terry McLaurin. Like a a Mike Williams, who did it last year. Chris Goblin, when he comes back. Like Michael Thomas, who we'll get to, I think, before we're out of here. Like, I, I just err on the side of those guys. But I definitely, like, totally understand the the conversation yeah and i mean i don't disagree with you that there are definitely concerns there but last year the guy only gets two touchdowns like he's the biggest body threat i think that has to go up Mm -hmm. Uh, i think russell wilson's going to find a guy in this offense that he gives the ball to the most and i love tim patrick too um i just don't think tim patrick's the guy and i really don't think jerry judy is the guy at this point i think judy is a better two than he is a one can we can we just agree that it's no matter where you have Sutton, whether it's 15, 26, 20, wherever, there should not be like 40 spots between him and Tim Patrick and ADP. Like I think there is right now. Like, I just think that's crazy. 
No, I agree. I, I do. Like KJ Hamler starting the season on the pup, it, it sounds like, or at least training camp. Like, I, and even when he comes back, like I think Tim, Tim Patrick has been their number three guy, very, the most consistent guy the last two years. Like, he's just going to be the forgotten about, like, 800-yard, like, solid receiver again this year, I think. And I am really getting tired of these, like, one-to-one DK to Lockett comparisons I'm hearing all over the place about Judy as Lockett mm-hmm. and Sutton as DK and pretending like there was ever a third option in Seattle that even came close to the skill of Tim Patrick, who's a very, very good player. Um, and in ADP, actually, Albert O is going above uh, Tim Patrick. I yeah. noticed that when I was, which is just absurd. Like, he's a good tight end, whatever, but Tim Patrick's a better player. Yeah, Albert O's been, like, cool for, like, the one week out of every eight that Noah Fant misses. Let's see him exactly. do a little bit more. Okay. Um, I mentioned Michael Thomas. I, did, I forgot to put him on the list, but he is at least worth, like, mentioning. I have him at 18. You have him at 36. Don't want to spend too long on this. I am basically what I did with, like, some of these other guys. I'm, I think, shooting right in the middle of his range of outcomes. Like, it could be. Better, like, if he were, like, Michael Thomas, like, truly healthy, he is probably top 12 guy. If he is not into disaster, like, he could easily be closer to your rank than mine. I, I just am shooting the middle right now. We'll see what training camp looks like. We'll, we'll see what his participation looks like. And I just think he's still the number one in that offense with a bullet for right now. And it's very scary. Very, very scary. But Michael Thomas, like, if you get him at – wide receiver let's even say like 24 in your draft like it could be a league winner if it really pans out and i like taking shots on those types of guys yeah i feel like we said all these same things about him last year and he burned everybody yep. but i just don't 100%. i just i don't want anything to do with it i think he has a horrible attitude problem he was a receiver whose skill set matched so perfectly with a quarterback whose best skill is five yard slant routes i know he runs other routes well but i mean just so you know I went all the way to 75 in my rankings. 37 is Chris Olave. And I think I'd rather have Chris Olave. I think you're, I, I think you're, I, I'm not that far off. I, I wouldn't imagine. I've been a little surprised about the, rel, about the relatively low rank of all of these rookie receivers, too. Yeah. To be honest with you, like, there's going to be at least one, probably multiple rookies who finish top 36. And no one even has them, like, sniffing, Close. sniffing top 36. Like, mid 40s is where you see Traylon Burks a lot of the time. Yeah, well, and I had – so I didn't have Michael Thomas ranked, and I was just like, I just have to put him on the list. <laughs> That's why he's 36 in the last one we ranked. But I if I, I just – I'll draft him around 12, I think. I mean, I really think that there's an easy outcome where this guy is just such an attitude problem, and this is an organization that's going to suck this year for the most part, that he just doesn't play or he just decides not to play again. And then you're on your – he's 30 years old almost. I mm-hmm. mean – I, I just don't see a good range. Maybe he does. I just don't think he does. Jarvis Landry might be better than him this year. Well, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be pretty surprised by that. That would take Michael Thomas almost not playing for that to happen. But, okay, Juju Smith-Schuster, 24 for me, 22 for you. It feels like we're both out on a limb here because I see him, like, in the mid-30s a, a lot of places. So, Dalton, just real quick, why is Juju um, misunderstood by 85% of the fantasy community? Kansas City's biggest problem last year was that they didn't have a receiver that they could attack the middle of the field with, and so everybody ran too high. Mm-hmm. Kansas City now has a middle-of-the-field receiver who last time he was paired with an elite talent, and he has Travis Kelsey on the other side of the ball, 
he had a 1,500-yard, 10-touchdown season and was wide receiver six. And to be clear, we're not saying he's going to do that. And he doesn't have, like, the elite take-the-top-off guy anymore. But by committee, the Chiefs have, you know, Sky Moore can do that. And then MVS and McCole Harvin, like, by committee, they're going to have guys who can take the top off. And Juju does not have to play that role, certainly. Well, and everybody agrees Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I don't well, not everybody, but we all but agree. I think that's almost a consensus agreement. And there are people not ranking any of the pass-catching options but Kelsey in the top 80 in fantasy picks. It's it's going to hit. Somebody's going to hit. I've been a big fan of Juju for three years now. I mean, I just don't understand how you don't take the guy that's going to be playing out of the slot for Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Rashad Bateman. So I'm wide receiver 31. You're 24. So you're slightly higher than me. Any any particular reason why Rashad Bateman? Because he was a guy that I was talking about. I could easily see him having like a, a breakout year, overperforming the ADP. But as I was, it, it was tough for me to get him too high because he just, with as bad luck as he had last year between he and Lamar, we just haven't seen much out of him like we have some of the other guys in, in this range. But you're confident in, in Bateman this year. Yeah, what he played, he was out-targeting. Hollywood Brown. He fits the Ravens play philosophy better. He's a more of a bigger bodied fighter. I think they pass less, but I think it's really Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman who are going to be getting those balls. And I, I mean, Lamar Jackson is just such a good passer. I can't not just like with Patrick Mahomes. I can't not put one of his guys high up there other than Mark Andrews because someone's going to hit and Devin DuVernay and James Proch are just two names that I'm not going to to bother with. We'll see. Maybe if they don't bring anybody else in, which they're another team that feels ripe for a Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, or Will Fuller, somebody else to to come in. If they don't bring anybody else in, maybe he'll move up my list, but still early there. Gabriel Davis, not ranked for me, unsurprisingly, Dalton, wide receiver 27. Um, Real quick, Gabriel Davis, why do you love him besides the fact that he had a huge game in the playoffs last year? Did you know out of the 2020 wide receiver class, only Justin Jefferson has more touchdowns? I did than know Gabriel that. Davis. We listened to the same podcast. We did. Um, also, in games where Gabriel Davis played 50% or more of the snaps, he was a top 24 wide receiver. He averaged 15.9 points per game. And most importantly, uh, again, somebody is going to come out of this wide receiver room. Gabriel Davis, to finish the season, had a crazy ending. And then him and Cole Beasley decided they didn't want to be vaccinated and they had to sit some games out. But once Emmanuel Sanders was phased out of this offense, it was Gabriel Davis who was really taking that up. And he's Josh Allen's most reliable red zone target. And I just, I can't not rank him high. I think it's going to be his breakout year. Used to be that the third year was when receivers broke out, not their first year. Um, And I think he's going to break out in this offense and just be a star. Yeah, I I can definitely, like, I see that range of outcomes for sure. I also see the range of outcomes where he just, because he's going to have to make a leap, even for as good as he was in spots last year. Like, he's going to have to make a big statistical leap to actually prove your ranking correct, I think. He has 70 total receptions in, in two seasons, 35 on the dot each of his two years. If he does it again, he'll be approaching the Alvin Kamara 81 receptions every year of his career for a certain amount of years. So I, I just, I am a little less convinced that somebody has to emerge. Like, you know, Khalil Shakur is one of my favorites. They still have Isaiah McKenzie. They brought in, uh, why am I blanking? Jamison Crowder um, in the slot too. So there are other guys. Like I could see 
the outcome where it's kind of by committee. And Diggs wasn't quite the Stefan Diggs that he was the year before last year. So maybe we like see a slightly better Stefan Diggs this year too. I, like I think Gabriel Davis might be like 37 on my list, like 38. Like he was one of the last guys that I didn't rank, but I, I can't quite get uh, top 30. I don't think with him. Uh, Hunter Rimfro, a guy that I have ranked wide receiver 29. Dalton, you do not. Um, I just think Hunter Rimfro is like a really freaking good player. And I just don't think that completely goes away with Devontae Adams there. Like, he's definitely not going to carry the value he did last year, especially down the stretch. He finishes, I think, as like the wide receiver 13 or down um, to end the season last year. So he's not going to be that. But just think about all of the times we got the Rimfro ISO cam in the end zone last year because he's running stuff that we just we, – we've never seen these route combos that he's running before. The dude is one of the best route runners in the NFL. His targets he received were the most accurate in the NFL. His catchable target rate was 87.5%. That's second. That is not because Derek Carr is some great quarterback. That is because the dude is open. 2.14 yards of separation per target. Fifth in the NFL. His plus 11.5 catch rate over expected when he lined up wide was uh, best in the NFL. And his 3.4 yards of target separation when he was wide was fourth. So he's versatile. He and Devonte Adams and Darren Waller, all those guys can move all around. I think he'll be the third piece, but I think a very valuable third piece. He's not going to fully go back to not startable now that Devonte Adams is there, in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard for me to rank him when he's the third receiving option on a Derek Carr-led offense. A Derek Carr's best uh, touchdown season is 22. And, I mean, I just don't really want any part of – Hunter Renfro in the sense but he that doesn't, he, he can have 80 receptions for, you know, a thousand yards and five touchdowns and he's going to be a top 30 guy. He could Absolutely. Do. It's just not going to be like the, the, the smoothest top 30 ride. I, I just, when I'm taking a guy outside of the top 24, usually on my team, I'm looking for guys who are going to blow on my roster, who, who could move up and suddenly be like in that top 20, top 15, conversation and i mean the only option is really just betting that uh, Devonte adams gets injured or, or darren waller gets injured and i, I i'm not going to take those bets i don't like to bet on injuries and i mean he's a good slot receiver he's just the third option in a passing offense with a quarterback who i think is very middling mm-hmm. dalton schultz i have missed tight end nine uh, we have very few tight ends to talk about here but we do have uh, a couple i have missed tight end nine dalton you have missed tight end five i just don't think like i think he's a very a lot of these guys are very average, to be clear, once you get past like the top few. I just think he's very average. Uh, I have Dak at 12. You have him at 11. So neither of us are like huge Dak believers this year. And I'm just not like – I'm not sure that I buy um, Schultz getting, you know, soaking up X percent of Amari Cooper's targets. Like I think you're going to see – you know, Lamb get a lot of that, and then it's going to be a lot of guys. It, it gets dispersed between, and I, I just what it comes down to is I, I, I like Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, T.J. Hawkinson. I just think those guys are better players than Dalton Schultz and have higher upside. Like if their situation breaks right, and you know me, I don't really like to predict what I think situation will or won't be, or at least have that like be the biggest determiner in my ranks. So I just think those guys, if things break right, have higher upside. Yeah, I mean, he was tied in three last year. Uh, so I'm not even necessarily predicting Cooper 
Cooper's targets go to him, but mm-hmm. there's definitely less competition in that passing offense for him to get those targets. Um, but I mean, this is just a strict, I, I have to respect him. He's done it. He's back in the same offense, the same system. Nothing's changed. So they're definitely going to utilize him. And now uh, Jarwin, who last year I thought might compete with him for targets, is gone as well. So I just think he has the tight end role locked and loaded in an offense that's going to pass the ball. And they're going to move the ball up and down the field. Andy gets to play the NFC East six times, which is always a benefit to any team. Uh, And I just find it harder, you know, some lower passing offenses like definitely the Eagles, probably the Pitt and definitely Detroit. Those guys have worse quarterbacking than Dak at the end of the day. Are we sure? Like the Cowboys are going to pass the ball, but I I just think we get, we, we, I think we think the Cowboys throw more than they actually do. They were sixth in pass attempts sometimes. Yeah. But that, I just think that people talk about them and I'm not saying you are, but just like in general, I think people talk about them as like, they pass the ball more than anybody, but like the chiefs. And that's just not quite true. They're they're just a a notch below that. So just one, two. Yeah. They're definitely a top 10 passing offense though. And I definitely like to have the pass catchers in that offense. Last guy, last couple guys here. We'll, we'll run through Dallas Goddard. I have him as six. You have him as 10, uh, basically flipped uh, between Schultz and Goddard. For me, I've just always liked Goddard as a player. Um, funny that I am the bigger believer of this pass catcher on the Eagles than you. Um, I think he is the guy that you draft second as a pass catcher on this team. I would take him over Devontae Smith. I think he's going to have a nice year. You have him at 10. Uh, unless you have anything to add, you can give me your Irv Smith top 12 hype train. Uh, Kevin O'Connell comes over from the Rams. They have to pass more. It's not going to be a Mike Zimmer offense anymore. This team's going to come out and they're going to throw the ball. Irv Smith just turning 23, absolute athletic freak. If there's any, and I'm not saying there's going to be any drop off in Adam Thielen's touchdown equity, uh, other than Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith is going to be the one to benefit from it. And I mean, I loved him last year. His injury was just to his meniscus, so we shouldn't be too concerned about his injury causing him any problems. The guy posted the second highest vertical of any tight end in the history of the NFL draft. So I I love good. I love him for all the same reasons last year. I just didn't have the courage to put him in my top twelve. It feels like it, it would it just feels like I'm taking a, a, a step too far just because it just feels worse doing it after he just missed a whole season than it did last year. But I you know how much I love her, so I'm I'm right there with you. I think he'd be like my next guy up. Cole Komet was the guy that I put at tight end twelve, uh, the guy ahead of of Irv. You're not a believer in the the volume play for Komet as one of like three guys that we actually know their name in the Bears offense. There were three games last year where Justin Fields didn't complete more than ten pass attempts. New coaching staff. <laughs> new coaching I get staff. It. I get it, but I'm not just going to lay the field out and say, "Well, this is." I mean, it's a very dangerous game just to say, "Well, this guy's there and he's kind of good, so you should catch passes from him." Um, especially when the offensive line is just as bad. And other than Darnell Mooney, I mean, are we 100 percent sure Byron Pringle is as good of a pass catcher as Cole Komet? I don't know. Probably, definitely. But I'm don't not have, just going to bet. You don't have to do much to be tight end 12. That would, Absolutely. <laughs> that, would be, well, that would be what I would say. And if I'm drafting a tight end that late, I'm looking at guys who have, like, opportunities to pop. Robert Tunyon. I, know, think, he, I think Komet does. Like, if the Bears are 
somehow better than we expect if we peg the, like if they're a seven win team instead of a four win team like i think that's probably a big boost for for Komet over expected value i would be very surprised i think in my range of outcomes cole Komet is tied in like 20 to tight end 10 is where I would put him. I wouldn't even bet that he can be a top, top eight guy. Zach Ertz, I have tight end 11. You have him tight end seven. Uh, is that the, is, is that a Hopkins boost? A no Hopkins boost giving him tight end seven in your mind to get, get off to a quick start and then kind of coast from there? I mean, he led the Eagles in receptions several games last year. I just think he he's this nice and steady target. Nothing sexy. Um, even with Hopkins there, he's the middle of the field guy. Mm-hmm. I think some people are, are reading too much into Hollywood Brown because um, his ADP is at tight end 11, which he's never finished that low in his career. I have Ertz at 11, and I just, like, I think it's going to be a nice six weeks, and I think you're – I think, like, in week four, it's going to turn into, okay, I want to trade this guy right now. It's going to feel a lot worse to have him in three weeks than it does right now, and I just don't really want that ticking time. I'm on my roster as a, as like a mid-round tight end. I'd, I'd rather take him, uh, you know, four or five rounds later in, in drafts. Real quick, before we get out of here, uh, I forgot to mention, Dalton, I am incredibly annoyed. Uh, Justin Jefferson as your number one receiver. Here I was flirting with it for months, and – just told myself I couldn't do it. Cooper Cup had like the all-time season in modern fantasy football history and couldn't have him not be number one. And yet here you are. You're on a limb. I say on a limb. I think Christian McCaffrey is RB1 and Justin Jefferson is wide receiver one is different than most people. Definitely is. Um Fun stat, Allen Robinson's younger than Cooper Cup. I'm not saying Allen Robinson's going to have a better year this year than Cooper Cup, but when it comes to target competition, definitely increases. Uh, Before Odell got there, it was really just Robert Woods, and I think Robinson's a better receiver. Mm -hmm. And Cooper Cup really needs that, like, like 24% target share to repeat what he did. And, I mean, Justin Jefferson's just better. He's on his third year in the NFL with Kirk Cousins and is doing absolutely insane things. He has the most yards of any wide receiver in two seasons, and now he gets a pass-first offensive coach who wants to throw the ball, who wants to utilize him differently. I just I just see it happening. I think he will be the wide receiver one, and I'm all here for it. As much as I love Jefferson, um, I think this is like an ego play from me, where if I rank Cup anything but one, and he does anything close to what he did last year again and is the one, it's just it's just going to feel real bad. It's going to feel real dumb on my part to have told someone to take a guy who, yeah, Jefferson is awesome, but Cup was worth a lot more than the next guy at receiver last year, and I think I just need to see him not be that for a second year in a row before I give somebody else that crown. Well, I thought I was crazy because I almost didn't put Jamar Chase at three, and you put him at four. Um, Who do I have at three? Stefan Diggs. Eh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's right. I think Diggs is going to have a better year than he did. And I think T. Higgins will eat into Jamar a little bit more than the previous year. Dalton, anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, no. Jalen Hurts QB1 season <laughs> is upon us. And that is going to do it for episode 71 of the Half Point for Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to this here YouTube channel. If you're watching, please hit that subscribe button, like the video, 
um, half point per podcast on YouTube. We will be taking a at least a couple of week break, if not most of the month of June. But we'll be back um, around the time training camp starts, and we'll have hopefully some new and exciting stuff for the podcast, new new content. Some there there will probably be some writing on the Substack here and there between then and now, but expect not to hear from us for a few weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you all when there is only about two months left.